0: hey everybody thank you for tuning into the latest episode of lethal podcast Uh, sorry for the delay between episodes Uh, we're just some working guys and sometimes things come up and that's definitely been the case the last couple of weeks it's prevented us from getting together to talk, but we were finally able to make it happen this week. Um, we decided to go over a topic that the ABF has been getting a ton of questions on, which is crossbows. Now, before you turn this off, hear me out. Even though you may not be personally shooting a crossbow, there's a good chance that either a friend of yours or a loved one is going to be using one, or or maybe they already do. Uh, this episode is chock full of good information uh, on why the same rules apply when you're shooting an animal with a crossbow and how to properly build these bolts to increase animal recovery. I think I think you'll enjoy it, even if you're not an avid crossbow guy. Um, as always, this podcast is fueled by Hunter's Blind Coffee. Go to huntersblendcoffee.com and use code ABF at checkout and have 10% of your purchase donated to the Ashby Hunting Foundation. Once again, the code is ABF, all caps, got to remember that, at checkout, and 10% of your purchase will go towards furthering bowhunter education through the Ashby Hunting Foundation. Um, if you're a new listener and you like the content, please go drop a review for us on iTunes. That really helps us get some more exposure. And remember, we do have a merch uh, store on our website. It's always helpful when you uh, guys buy some stuff there because running a podcast isn't the cheapest. So go to LethalPodcast.com and check that out. And one more thing, and I'll get in the episode. Uh, we're going to be focusing on our Facebook group a little bit more now, uh, we, and we've created that, and it's tied to our page. Uh, so if you're not, uh, not in it and want to stay up to date with future guests and see some really good discussion, I think you will really enjoy that group. Lots of smart guys in there, and it's a great place to run ideas by like-minded people, whether you've been doing this a few days or a few decades, so go check that out. It's called Lethal Podcast, The Thunderdome. A little Mad Max reference there for you guys who may not know what that means. Uh, anyway, so uh, sorry for the world's longest intro. Here's our episode: Bolts and Broadheads, a crossbow discussion. Enjoy. Let's just let's just press record. So Sunday, I had, uh, I had both of my bows uh, set out. Uh, yeah. Uh, my, my black five, my CT nine. And I was going to go to the, um, uh, bow shop because I opened at 11. So I ran down to the shoot, the trad shoot at like nine or so. And I was going to BS, you know, fart around there for a couple of hours. And then, and then go to the, uh, shop to have my, uh, CT nine shimmed because I'm pretty sure it needs to be shimmed. Okay. And, uh, I, I, I am like, Before before I left, like I was getting everything ready and I was like, man, I just don't like I don't know if I want to mess with that today. It's his last day open before deer season. The last thing he's probably going to want to see is me walking in with a bow that I didn't buy from him from a brand that he doesn't sell uh, to have like a serious some like halfway serious work done on it. And I was like, especially
1: when you're not actually planning to use it.
0: Right now, Well, I, my thought was to have, I was going to dial that CT nine back to like 60 pounds and, okay. yeah. and, sh- and, and shoot that because I mean, it's like a, it's like a 325 IBO bow and primes are yeah. really. No, easy I, to I forgot
1: that that anyway. was a lower poundage one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, uh yeah, cause I was looking at that 80 pounds CT nine before. <laughs> and <laughs> right? uh, that,
1: that's the one that I was thinking of.
0: Yeah. Glutton for punishment. But, uh, um, so I, uh, like before, like right before I left, I made like a like a game time decision. I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring it, I'm not gonna bring it. So I go I go down to the trash chute and I'm like sitting there BSing with those guys and chit-chatting. And I get home and I see the push posting pictures from Bare Boot Camp and and one of the guys who like helped I don't know if he helped organize it, but he was like a, a key player in it was uh uh Mick Chambers. And he's, he's local to Kansas City. He's the the Archery Geek YouTube channel. And, uh, and so I just, I sent him a message. I was like, how'd it go? And he was like, oh, like it went awesome. I'm driving back. I'll, I'll message you later. And, and like the last four days, I've just like been looking at like, literally my bows are, are just sitting in the corner and I'm looking at them and I'm like. Yeah, I don't know how interested I am in these bows right now. <laughs> so it's,
1: it's I, funny how how that works,
0: man. It's so it's so weird. Like, I mean, I've I literally have two bows, like that. I mean, each of them probably have five hundred dollars worth of accessories sitting on them, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, this doesn't really interest me. So
1: yeah, uh, well, and that's know. I I get. The feeling um, because especially with the package that's on its way to me right now. Yeah. I seriously want to set down the compound and just run my either the bear or the new setup that's on its way for the rest of the season. But at the same time, we we got it that smoker like a month or two ago, and mm-hmm. my wife has just fallen in love with the thing. And, like, we've burned through the rest of uh, the, the second pig. Yeah. And we've burned through the remainder of the venison that I had from last year. And so she's like, like, you need to kill stuff. Like, how many, how many dough takes do you have? Four? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, shoot the first dough you see. I want to put, like, an entire, like entire backstrap on there and just slow smoke it yeah I'm like okay like this sounds really good like i need to shoot something yeah. <laughs> so that is keeping me from just completely setting aside the compound because
0: right right
1: i want to get at least like two deer in the in the freezer and then i'll probably set the compound down
0: yeah no just I get because
1: it. i as much as i'm definitely with shooting the the bear for my entire summer league, like really focusing on that this summer, I'm feeling realistically quite confident inside of 20. Sure. But at the same time, I know that that's going to limit my opportunities. And so I, I, I just kind of want to have some, Venison in the freezer before.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, nothing wrong with that. Nothing. It's you're hedging your bets a little bit there. That's, that's, that's fine. I'm seeing any that's, issues with that.
1: Bonus is I just set up a new stand Monday.
0: Oh, that was the blister shot, right?
1: Yeah. That no, that was uh, the the night before. So it's I. Oh, okay. The, the property it, it was part of the same process because I had to get back to the the back corner the like northwest corner of this property to Mm -hmm. pull a stand that i had been running uh last year Mm -hmm. and this property is it it's it joins up to a farm field and then the back side of the property is a creek and like you get 50 yards off the farm field and it is just pure swamp and i've always liked my stand in the back because it it goes from like kind of flooded hardwoods to like actual like marsh grass before it gets to the creek and those bucks just cruise that creek line Mm -hmm. and so i mean it's not uh it's not a holding property it's a pass-through but right, right. there's there's food sources, there's there's water, and so there's there's de- decent traffic through this property, as long as you're in the right areas. But the last year and a half, the water level's been so high that it's like you can't get to this stand. Right, like.
0: And no, I mean, I mean, yeah, you,
1: you can, but I mean, it's a 40 acre property and it'll take me 40 minutes of waiting through knee to waist deep muck. Right. To get there. And then by that time I'm completely sweated up and then, you know, scent controls out the window and
0: yeah, so yeah. It's,
1: it hasn't been prime. So my wife and I sucked it up and we went all the way back there pulled the stand, pulled the sticks and then got it all the way back up. I picked out a tree and it was just about dark. Left it at the tree and went home for the night. The next night I ran back out there and got that new stand set up. But that was the picture I sent you from from being in that, well, past my knee boots just, you know, straight water. Wet, yeah. Wet rubber boots leads to bad feet. Yeah. And yeah, yeah that entire callus on like my heel just kind of like came off. Ugh. So. That was Yeah. Fun.
0: <laughs>
1: but good news is that I got that stand set up and uh like just an awkward tree like I like the cover of it. It's it's a uh, Probably a two and a half foot diameter tree at the base, but like fifteen feet up, it splits into like three large, or I guess three smaller trunks. Right, right. And right. so there's this kind of like crotch, like with three large sections coming up off of it, and so I managed to get my my hang on inside of that crotch where I've got. You know, even once the leaves fall, I'll have a nice breakup from any direction. Right. But pain in the ass to get that stand in there, trying to like stand on on one side and like hang off the other. And but I finally got it in. I sat down to kind of evaluate shooting lanes before I started like trimming and stuff. And I literally I sat there for maybe five minutes, just kind of like resting and evaluating and I, I stand back up. I cut the first branch off for a shooting lane. And as it falls, I hear crashing and splashing and I turn around and, and two big does are running off through the the swamp. I'm like, Oh, typically a good sign. (laughs) All right. I'm liking this already. Like there's no scent control going on. I've been sweating for the last hour. Like the wind's going directly that direction. But even with all this, still had two come in right there. So that's,
0: I wonder, I'll
1: if, be sitting there, what was that?
0: I, I was gonna say, as somebody who's never really hunted in a swamp area before, I wonder if that like affects the thermals enough to make it to where it, like set it, control is nearly as big of a deal.
1: It gets weird because it definitely you definitely get some thermals because, um, I mean even in in winter. Like, and that's where like this property gets really hard to hunt once everything starts freezing because the swamp never freezes. Right. Um, because of the level of decomp is that's producing, it, yeah. producing heat. Right. And so like you get a thin layer on the top and you don't know if you're standing over six inches or four feet. And so it's. That property just kind of becomes a nightmare once it it cools off. But early, like you were saying, that the way that it kind of holds heat, it does play with scent, um, which can be good and bad.
0: Hmm. Well, that's uh, a that's a lot to I wouldn't even know how to navigate that. That's a that's that's a lot going on. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just take my normal, my normal hardwoods please
1: <laughs> yeah that's if I had some normal hardwoods close to home I would definitely take it because uh that property just regardless of where you're going it's a lot of work yeah that. um but it's 15 minutes from my house
0: oh there you go yeah
1: like it's it's dough central yeah like I actually, I have one decent buck on cam right now. There, um, most of the time I don't see anything decent until rut sets in and you really get some, you know, some bucks traveling. But right now, I've got a nice, you know, nothing huge, but a, a nice right. two and a half year old that's probably uh, 15 16 wide, uh, clean eight. And knowing the, the neighbors, he won't make it till next next year because yeah (laughs) they shoot everything brown and it's just like the orange army like sets in on the surrounding three properties and it's like yep you are not gonna make it so (laughs) if i see you maybe it'll depend on how i'm feeling that's right now the property up north that i normally focus on for bucks doesn't like we we don't know what happened last year we had two nice bucks shot out of there uh I think it was a, a a big eight and then a nine um both three and a half year olds and we had another five that were out you know other ones that were outside of the ears between right. like eight and 12 points. And there's like, we haven't seen any of them. Like Hmm. we had them on camera late season and now we haven't seen one. So I don't know if they shifted their area a little bit or. Were they on camera this
0: time last year?
1: Yeah. Hmm. And I mean, I I know that there's a lot of wolves up there. The winter was kind of goofy. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. So I'm I'm not too too optimistic of what's gonna happen up there, so
0: Mr. Eight might might be on the list. Yeah, I don't blame you even a little bit. But um so what what uh, you you gave me the general topic. Uh well first yeah. off, I'd like to I'd like to apologize to everybody. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've put anything out. That's mostly been my fault. Uh work has just been absolutely bananas and uh well your work's, I've, been, I've, crazy.
1: I've, work's been crazy my work's been crazy my my season started a week ago um yeah well not quite garrett's a week been ago hunting. garrett's been hunting so i mean th- this time of the year always gets tough yeah but uh yeah so uh, what i had it, it's, it's been something
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what i had uh kind of brought up earlier is uh, I've been assisting the, the ABF with uh, questions that they get emailed in and there has just been a slew of crossbow questions hmm. of guys going like, Hey, like I love, you know, the material that you guys have out. Like I've, I've looked at the reports I've watched, You know, the Ranch Ferry stuff, like I'm on board, but no one's talking about crossbows. Like, how do I do this with a crossbow? And I mean, a lot of these guys are older, you know, guys that used to shoot compounds, used to shoot traditional um, that, you know, just because of of bodily issues are going like, I'm going to stay in the woods and this is how I'm doing it. Right. And. So they're wanting to get into better setups, either because they've seen issues or, you know, they don't want to to experience them. Yeah. But there's some confusion well, as to how it translates.
0: Yeah. Well, and we know we certainly know from Shane's data that who which had a decent amount of crossbows in it that. Just because you're cooking them in there at, you know, 400 plus FPS doesn't, it's it's not a guarantee. My tablet's dead and I don't have any more Oh, We're leaving her on the, po- she's the newest podcast guest. Actually, this is to her episode now. Let's just leave it that way.
1: <laughs> yeah. So just a second, let me uh, take care of You're fine. No,
0: you're completely fine.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So. Where were we are Back to Crossbows. Crossbows. Um, so yeah, I mean the big, I guess the theme that I've been noticing is guys not getting the translation between vertical bows and, and crossbows. Sure. And so what, what are the,
0: what are the questions that are coming in that, that you've been, you've been answering or like, what's the subjects, uh, subject of the questions, I guess.
1: Um, typically going you know kind of the same stuff that we deal with with vertical bows of like okay well here's the bow that i'm running like how heavy can i go like where's the drop off like because people tell them that you know oh well you don't want to run more than this or like it's not going to fly well if you do this and so it's guys you know wanting to you know, say get into like the mid five hundreds or do a six fifty build, or they're like, hey, you know, what's a good FOC level for crossbows? Right. And I mean it's all the same kind of questions that we get for, for any other type of bow. Sure. But for some reason, you know, they're looking at the reports, they're looking at what you know, Troy does on you know his ranch ferry channel. And they're going, like, I'm seeing all of this, but, like, no one talks about crossbows. No one is, is showing testing with crossbows. Like, what, what am I looking for? Mm-hmm. A- am I trying to do the same thing? Am I trying to do something different? And, I mean, the simple answer is the arrow doesn't care what throws it.
0: Right. Right.
1: Right. All the same physics apply. All the same rules apply. Right. So when we look at like the 12 factors, you know, we, we want it to be durable. We want it to be flying as perfectly as possible. Yep. And you want to improve your FOC. Right. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, those three and then a, a higher mechanical advantage broadhead are, really your, your critical factors. And those are the ones that, you know, the factors that really don't change in order.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Those are the key components regardless of what type of bow we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Well, I've, and I think that, I mean, you know, a lot of people uh, get hung up on the 650 number and then they'll you know and then they start talking about crossbows and you know I, like we had in you know the last episode that we did with the abf and doc you mentioned that they use crossbows in that testing but yep you know i think i think that's that's something that's that's lost on people quite a bit when they start asking about this or like okay like if i you know uh if i if i was uh yeah i know you're saying that these compound guys need to be a, you know 500 grains 600 grains for for whitetail or it's what you recommend for whitetail uh you know but i i shoot a uh, re, uh i've gone through all of them compound the recurve uh <laughs> but i i shoot a crossbow that's you know i've got a raven or a excalibur yeah. that's it's over 400 feet per second like surely i don't need a 500 grain arrow or you aren't going to recommend a 500 grain arrow when in reality like that's it's it's really the same thing. There's not yeah. a ton of difference. Well, and here.
1: that's part of what throws guys off is like, I mean, especially because what does the industry talk about? Kinetic energy, right? Right. And so it's like, okay, yeah. So this this guy with a longbow, you know, he's got 45, 50 foot pounds of kinetic energy. Like, okay, yeah, I fully get that he needs, you know, a 700 grain arrow to see really consistent performance. Right. Like, okay, like that, that can make sense. But like my crossbow, I've got 120 foot pounds. Like, I don't need that. Right. It's like, well, but that's, you have a ton of energy, but you, if you don't have mass, you don't have inertia. Right. And so then everything just sheds. Yep. And that's where the guys
0: will look at that and they'll compare it to a 40 pound longbow or, or to yeah. a, a longbow, a longbow that's putting out 40 pounds of kinetic energy and think I've got three times the amount of energy. And exactly. That's, that's, it's not, it's not accurate.
1: And that's, I mean, they do have three times the energy, right? But right. it's how it's three times the, retained. Yeah, yeah. It's how it's yeah. applied. And so there's, you know, all the same stuff applies. I mean, I'm always going to focus on those top four.
0: Yeah, And absolutely. through
1: focusing on those top four, realistically, your weight is going to f- start falling in place, right? Because mm-hmm. once you start talking about better durability, you're going to be looking at you know uh, making sure that your shaft isn't too light of a GPI. You're going to be looking at making sure that your component is durable and probably going to be a little bit heavier. Um, You're going to be looking at your broadhead and improving its efficiency and more than likely its durability. And all of that typically results in heavier components, heavier broadhead. Yeah. And that naturally starts taking care of your FOC It naturally starts taking care of your total weight and everything else kind of filters through. Right. And. The the actually the kind of cool thing with with crossbows with bolts is because of the lengths, they realistically have some inherent advantages.
0: Oh huge advantages, yeah.
1: Because be like you, you look at like my setups, right? My arrows, like if I do a super short broadhead you know, the, the sleeve of my outsert is like just in front of my, my launcher arm on my rest. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm still looking at a 28 and three quarter to 29 inch arrow. Yeah. And so the amount of weight that I need up front to get into like, say like low 20% FOC. It's silly. Yeah, is going to be like 30% for my wife's arrows that are 25 inches.
0: Right. And then crossbow bolts are normally either they're 20 I mean, or 22, long, right? Normally.
1: Yeah. So it depends on the brand. It depends on the model. But I've seen as short as 16. And then I believe the longest is 22. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or the longest traditional um, one. Right. Right. And so at those lengths, your FOC is already going to be good. Yeah, and most of your bolts are already coming with a hundred grain, a fifty to hundred grain component, really? because they don't have heavy any really? shaft. Yeah, because um, in most cases, I mean, the shafts aren't that heavy, right? The actual carbon, sure. And so to get above the minimum weight requirement for the the bow efficiency right they need to, to add weight somewhere and they're expecting someone to run a hundred or 125 grain head sure and so they're adding weight with like a, a you know short brass insert or whatever the case is um, and so you're already starting at a better point the other part is, you're dealing with this, that length of shaft and that affects your flex. So in most cases, you can actually do more as far as like point weight. Right. Then, you know, when guys are thinking compound, like if you make a hundred grain jump, you're probably needing to look at a different spine.
0: Right. Right.
1: Bolts really don't have. I mean, there are some that have spines, but a lot of them are based on the length. Mm. And so
0: you, okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll you finish your thoughts.
1: Oh no, you can you can go.
0: Well, I, I was just I was going to ask. So, like, I mean, but typically bolts, to my knowledge, are still around that four hundred to four hundred and twenty grain range, give or take. Uh, uh, like if you used a hundred yeah. grain point and and the and whatever either comes with the crossbow or whatever you buy at you know Cabela's or wherever. Uh yeah, so I,
1: I would say in most cases a factory bolt is gonna be, and this is gonna depend on the the bow, but it's gonna be somewhere between four and five hundred. Okay, I've seen. Uh, factory bolts that were in the upper, upper 400s. Um, wow. and I've, I've dealt with factory bolts that were, you know, barely 400. Yeah. But a lot of that depends on the weight of the limbs, um, and the performance that, that they're getting out of it. Um, cause like something like, um, a handful of years ago, the, um, Oh, what was that called? The... I don't know. ah, It was one of the first reverse limb uh, crossbows. Um,
0: Raven? Excalibur? Uh, No. um, um,
1: Ten point? Larger bow. God, Uh, I am blanking uh, now. I don't know. They were one of the first bows to... Get into like the mid four hundreds. Um,
0: now I'm looking it up. Why this is gonna
1: bother me. Um,
0: let's see. Wasn't it? It wasn't this 10 is, point.
1: No, it wasn't that? Was, that was after. That was Scorpid.
0: Scorpid, okay. Yeah, the Scorpid VTEC, maybe?
1: Yeah, so now, I mean, right now, the, the top Scorpid, I think, is like 460 feet per second, but a couple years ago, they had a, a 440 that was using 175 Yep. The Yep, the Scorpid,
0: Scorpid VTEC is 175-pound limbs for 440 IBO.
1: yeah. And I mean that was ridiculous at the time, right? Yeah. But I mean that was still running a four hundred and like fifty grain bolt. Like oh, wow. it came with one twenty fives on on the on the oh, bolt. Wow.
0: It basically it looks like a bow. With uh, if for people who want to look this up, it looks like a like I mean you know most of the reverse limb crossbows are like like they're really thin, I guess. But this one is so wide, I, like it just like it looks like a bow like a regular yeah, bow well, with and that's a trigger this with was the trigger on the other side.
1: <laughs> this was before anyone made the compact stuff. Right, right. Like you had uh Raven that just completely disrupted the market and came out with this super tiny bow that they were able to be that small because of their helicoil cam. Right. And so that cam was over wrapping the cables like they had tracks around the axle so that you could get, I think it was like an additional 60 degrees of rotation. Hmm. And that allowed them to maintain the power stroke without having the the size. And so, I mean, that was a game changer. And then you had 10 point and a handful of others that that started kind of following that pattern. Yeah. But that's a lot of these, you know, are coming with one twenty five grain points. And they're in, you know, in the mid four hundreds, if we yeah. want to put like an, uh, an average on it. So even. Even just going from that 125 to like a 200 grain point is going to get you more than likely up into the the 500s.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but, but what you're saying, as somebody who, and this is kind of my question, is I, I know I've had a, a couple of people ask me, uh, just uh, kind of offhand, like, how would you build a bolt, like a, a heavier bolt and, and, my response has typically always been a you know, brass insert and and yeah, two hundred yeah. head, and but, and but it sounds like you you've got plenty of spine to play with there, uh, yep. just because the bolt the bolt is so so darn short that yep. you can you can mess you can mess with having heavier point weight and and it's not really going to hurt anything.
1: Yeah, so like if we look at. I guess one that I'm familiar with, um, I guess a couple of them that I'm familiar with, like the executioner from black Eagle. Mm -hmm. It's available as a 20 or a 22 inch arrow. Right. And it's um, like, they don't really state a spine, right? It's, it is what it is. They, they give you your GPI. You have your, your diameters, But your length is what's essentially setting how that shaft is flexing. Um, And that's your length is going to be dictated by the bow. So some bows have room that you can go a little bit shorter. Others don't. right? Right. The other one. That I've played with is the Apollo from Sirius, which is uh, a very nice.
0: No, it's yeah, not the not, Apollo. Not the, the Apollo is there two The Apollos,
1: the the the. the,
0: the era, Phoenix, you know, right? Over. Isn't that what? Isn't yeah, that what it Phoenix. Is? I, think, I think it's the Phoenix. Yeah,
1: getting my my models switched around, <laughs> um, but. And that's where like Sirius kind of has an advantage because they've got the partnership with ethics. Right. So like a lot of times I recommend guys reach out to to Sirius, you know, to go, okay, like I'm I'm wanting, you know, this component and, you know, put it together. Like because a lot of these guys aren't, I mean, it's not the same level that a lot of us go to right? Yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not really doing the level of tuning. I mean, you have no rest adjustments. You have no, any of that, right? You need to make sure that whoever put the bow together or replaced your strings for you, that the, the bow's in time, mm-hmm. but everything else is pretty much set and fixed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not much you can
1: mess with. So there. that's where, I mean, you still want to verify things, But in most cases, that's going to be broadhead verification. Yeah. Like it's a little bit different of a game. And so you don't have as many guys that are, you know, diving deep into the, you know, the the build processes and the, you know, tuning and all that kind of stuff like we normally see with compound and traditional
0: yeah yeah so uh, i i want to touch on that but i've got an interesting tidbit here i just ran some numbers so that uh um that whatever that crossbow was that you just mentioned uh the phoenix yeah no that was the the scorpid uh yeah so the scorpid uh i i i ran the i ran it backwards uh i ran the math backwards and because uh, it said it was 175 foot pounds of kinetic energy, so uh, to hit that at 440 fps, it's roughly a 410 a ish grain arrow. Uh, so 410 okay. grains at 400 440 feet per second are are giving you 175 foot pounds of kinetic energy, which is nuts. Right, uh, but well, the momentum. And- Hold on. Hang tight. Hang yeah, tight. Yeah, yeah. But, the mo- but the momentum was like 0.74 slugs. And and I was like, hmm, that's interesting, because I definitely remember like my old setup uh, um, on my Nitrum Turbo was like right around there. So I, I, I punched in uh, your dangerous game setup, 950 grains at your like 220, right? 223, something like that. 228 okay oh 228 okay well uh okay it's not updating but but 950 at 220 was only only 102 foot pounds uh but it was 0.92 slugs yeah <laughs> so so this is where people that they well, get hung up on kinetic energy they they're yeah. they're missing you know they they're they're, they're well, missing the boat there
1: this is even where people get hung up with momentum and this is sure. there's been Deviating conversations on this, um, you know, where neither one is truly a direct indicator of penetration potential, right? They're both sure. references. doesn't,
0: t- doesn't tell it, doesn't tell the whole story, right?
1: Because, like, okay, so the, the bolt that you just referenced, right, it's got 0.7 something slugs, but it weighs 410 grains. Right. So the the part that you don't see in those numbers, it's got a ton of energy. It, it does have a lot of force, right? It has good momentum. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the inertia because it doesn't have mass. Mass, yeah. And so even though it's got really good kinetic energy, it's got really good momentum, its retention is not going to be great. And that's where, I mean, I, I've i had conversations with guys running that bow where they're going, I don't get it. This thing has more power than anything I have ever touched. And that buck that I just shot ran off with my entire bolt sticking out of his shoulder. And you're like, Yeah. I can't do it with that. What can I do it with? Yeah. (laughs) Like I get that it has a lot of power, but if you don't have retention and that's where like for me, like those numbers are great for reference, especially when you're looking at a single bow, Right. right? If you can improve your momentum number from a single bow, your your potential is going to be increasing as soon as we start talking about multiple bows now things get messy yeah yeah and and that's because you could have this bow with 0.7 something slugs but if we actually sat down and did testing on animals i can guarantee that when heavy resistance is encountered, that like my recurve, that's a 730 grain arrow traveling at 170 feet per second, is going to perform more consistently on hard impacts than that 410 grain at 440 yeah i mean it's it it's a pretty wild world mass. We live in. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, <laughs> like it is it,
0: it, it all it is mass
1: and and that's where like like i kind of said before like i focus on the top four and then i i i kind of let the mass happen naturally but for me those top 4 are how well you're utilizing the potential from whatever mass you have right right so if you can ha- if you can take care of the top 4 then you're going to be taking full advantage of whatever weight you are comfortable with right and that that's my big focus right so whether that's 500 grains like let's maximize it let's make the most out of that 500 grains or if that's 900 grains right yeah let's make the most out of it like hey you're you're wanting to go big let let's make it you know the most that it can be and that's the same thing here like you talk about 175 foot pounds of kinetic energy. That is a ton of energy. Right. Like, why not take advantage of that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've just stack mass. So, I mean, for somebody, so, like, I'm looking here at the at the ethics one, uh, and it's, uh, so the insert that they have is, it says 92 through 110. Not exactly sure what that cutoff looks like, but we'll, we'll just go with 110. And it's uh 9.5 GPI at 22 inches. So let me let me get out my calculator here real quick. Uh, uh, 9.54 times 22. Uh, so it's 209 plus the uh um we'll do 110 plus 100. So with a base build, you're at uh 440 give or take. Uh, I, I would guess with with fletchings. Uh, so if you're at 440 with with something from a company like Sirius, how how do you build a bolt to like to let's just say you want to build one that's going to crack 650 grains? how how would you go about that?
1: Well, um, there are heavier component options. Um, it right now looking on Sirius's website, it looks like they must be out of stock of the 200
0: grain option.
1: But oh, there's a 200 have,
0: grain option for, for crossbow bolt. So oh, wow. yeah. Okay.
1: Um, that's, I know that ethics has, has one and gotcha. I, I was pretty darn positive that, that Sirius carried it. Um, but so you do have that. So if you, if you're dead set on, uh, a, a lighter, you know, potentially more available broadhead, mm-hmm. then that's, one option to bump you up into the 600s, right? Right. Even while staying with like a 100 grain, 125 grain head.
0: Yeah. Well, that'd be the, that, that, you'd be high, mid to high fives. Yeah. That, if you were, if you were a 200 grain insert.
1: Um, but the, the other option is to start, you know, to do the heavier component, one of them. And then start bumping up your, your broad head weight.
0: Right. right? To like and, a 200 or a three, 300.
1: Yep. And so, I mean like, uh, our one buddy, um, Reed. hmm Right. Yeah. Had a blank there. Um, yeah, was- but I mean, he was running, um, I believe, uh, a hundred grain component with a 315 grain head.
0: Yeah. He's running a nooks, I think, originally.
1: Yeah, I believe that that's what he was originally running. Um, and I mean that thing flew like a dart with four hundred grains up front, and I mean that elk that he he shot on on camera, that was what like a forty five yard shot.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, it, it was it was a poke. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I mean, it's not like even though I mean he added how much extra weight to that, right? Right. He's still got plenty of range, you know, and, and I mean, that's where it, like, if if you've got a crossbow that has, um, you know, a scope with the, like, factory yardage marks.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Those are going to get messy. Right. Yep. Um, because just like with Compounds. You start packing weight on and those factory tapes, those factory, you know, marks quit working,
0: right? Because
1: you're not shedding speed at the same at the expected rate. And so things get different. So, I mean, that is definitely something to consider, but at the same time. It depends on what you're trying to do, you know.
0: So I I would assume that if you were so let's let's say you were going to do like a, a lighter build, like you're you're just going to use a factory, a factory build, not change components, and it was going to be like you know low to, yeah, I'd say low to mid four hundreds, yeah. and you were going to use uh, you know a, a better broadhead that's uh, like 125 grains. Let's say you wanted to use something like a one twenty five uh, silver flame XL or something like that. Yeah, or um, like
1: an iron will I, or you yeah. know whatever. A solid lighter. Well,
0: I'm I'm going with I'm going with XL. Uh, okay. To, to uh, for the reason the of well the size and from from my compound uh, days of trying to tune lighter arrows with fixed blades, when I started creeping over that like. Three 10 ish mark is when I started running into like consistent planning issues. Now, granted, I, I, I still don't know a ton about tuning and I, I definitely didn't know a ton back then, but, uh, it, tuning seemed to be harder when it was, when it was moving that fast. And I think that's why yeah. a lot of prom- prominent guys that are, uh, uh, real big, uh, uh, Real big names, we'll just say that that have really long draw lengths that can shoot three hundred and twenty, three hundred and thirty yeah. on on a on a like a decent weight hunting arrow that's over four hundred grains. Why those guys don't shoot fixed blades because they can't get them to tune at those speeds. Is that is that as somebody who's never owned you a crossbow can. is. is is that a, is that an issue? Like if you're if you're cruising now there four hundred feet per second, four hundred and plus feet per second, uh, is it even possible to consistently tune a fixed blade that's like vented or or is a wider profile?
1: Well, that's what you're talking about is the the wind shear that's you know changing depending on the velocity. Sure. So the faster that the the arrow or the bolt is moving the more drag the more resistance that that's being encountered Mm -hmm. and so with that it alters how everything interacts because it's it's not linear right so the the higher the resistance value everything becomes more exaggerated so if you do have a tuning issue then the faster that you're going the more you're gonna see that
0: sure right Right. because
1: the and, and the the bolt or the arrow is gonna react and be covering more distance before it can even try and recover, sure, right. So it's kind of a, a combination of factors here. Can you do it? Hundred percent. It it makes things a little trickier, right? And so the one upside that the crossbow has in this in for this discussion is a lot of the human factors are removed, so. You're not going to be torquing the riser. You're not going to be, you know, you could still punch the trigger, but that punch trigger isn't going to affect the string travel. So, you know, you don't have to worry about facial pressure. You don't have to worry about all those little consistency things, right? Because even if you do punch the trigger on a crossbow, like you're not going to hit your spot. Right. But that's not gonna the string like is still gonna do what the string's like, gonna yeah. do, right? Right. And so you're taking out a lot of that, which eliminates a lot of the variability in that, that you see with those high speed setups. Right. But at the same time, I'm definitely not, you know, recommending guys to run a double XL out of their super fast crossbow right Right. just because it's asking for more frustration um that's i do know a handful of people that have ran excels at one and a half wide
0: right Mm
1: -hmm. um but those guys were also not hunting past 30 and so you know there's less distance for any little corrections and errors to really expand on themselves, right? Sure, right. Um, But most guys are looking at, and this is partially from a flight aspect, but also looking at the amount of force and the amount of energy that we're dealing with from a durability aspect, Um, most guys are looking at standard with heads Mm -hmm. Um, so something an inch and an eighth to inch and a quarter and if they are wanting more cut then they're gonna look at something that has you know like potentially bleeders um like an iron will or a day six um you know something that still has that that narrower profile but will give them a little more cut if that's what they're looking for
0: Yeah, I I think it's probably worth noting that uh, if you're shooting like a really fast crossbow, I think like the recurve style crossbow probably doesn't apply here. But if you're shooting a really fast crossbow and and especially if you start adding some weight to it, I I don't know if a like a really high mechanical advantage broadhead is going to be what you want to shoot, Uh, because I feel like that's if you do end up hitting something hard. I think that's going to be well. It's kind of uh, like the same not, thing that
1: I've talked about with my setup, where yeah, yeah. When, you, when you, need, you need a more rest,
0: durable style head. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, it becomes something that you need to consider a little more, right? You know, like my my big game setup is near one slug, like it's right. well over a hundred foot pounds. Like I. I'm not necessarily concerned with the very minor efficiency loss going from like a toughhead or an Ashby or or something like that. Three to one style to something with a uh, convex profile. Right. I'm getting a lot better tip uh, support. And I'm giving up a very small amount of efficiency. Yeah. But I would much rather have durability than a little bit of efficiency. Yeah. And so that's something that that can come into play. Um, And kind of on the topic of of speed, though, Mm -hmm. if you are seeing speed-related flight issues where things are getting a little bit squirrely, add more weight. Yeah. yeah. Because slow
0: it down a little bit. You're,
1: you're going to slow it down a little bit. Yeah. But you're also going to be gaining more energy and more force and more inertia. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there is a solution to that.
0: Sure. Right.
1: <laughs> you know, so it, it just depends on what a person's looking for and, and, that's where I mean when you start wanting to get crazy, like, you know, if you're going over to Africa and you're wanting to do CAPE or something, like you're not gonna be able to use a standard bolt. You're gonna be doing a yeah, custom. Bolt. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what it is. Right? You're gonna be Frankensteining something. That's I the only person that I know that is that's done it worked with a machine shop to have a custom insert made that created the, the correct um, overall diameter at the head mm-hmm. and then used a TDT.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember talking. I think I talked to Garrett and Todd about this at DSC. Okay.
1: So they they did something completely custom, because that's the thing that you have to kind of pay attention to, like on on compounds. You know, we talk about like center shot and knock point, right? Mm-hmm. On a crossbow, your shaft size is essentially your your rest height, right? Because your knocking point is staying the same. So if you change your shaft size that's gonna change your arrow level right now it's not coming out flat and so that's where like all your bolts are pretty much all the same size
0: there's slight
1: there's slight variations right Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. if you are going to something custom where you're gonna use something that isn't a standard bolt now you need something that gets it to the that creates the correct height right in the in the bolt and and then you can go crazy then you yeah you know i, I want a 1200 grain bolt okay <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know whatever that is you know there's ways to do that but it's outside of the realm of of normal setups
0: yeah so if you're thinking about doing that go go start getting chummy with your local machine shop so what it sounds like,
1: well, and that's there's guys that do custom stuff like that. Um, that's I'm pretty sure like like John Hand is still doing stuff. Yeah, I think and, he is. Um, As I've seen some of his work, and it he he does good work.
0: Oh yeah, He you know? certainly does.
1: but yeah. well, cool. There, you know, there's I'm, a lot I, of ways I'm, to approach it, but the the big thing, and I guess I mean, flight is always king
0: yeah oh for sure
1: like build it tough but then it has to be flying and so like if you are running one of the really high performance bows right that's where i i do start questioning how much weight you can put up front and so that's where like buying a test kit really comes in handy Mm -hmm. because then you can play with it and you know you can shoot through paper you you can you know even with your veins on like if you shoot through paper at varying distances you'll see if that bolt is staying clean right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but what i tell the guys most of the time is to look at group sizes if if your group sizes start expanding that's telling you that, that it's not recovering as clean. Right. Especially with something like a crossbow where you can set up on a bench, like a rifle, right? You can set up on a, you know a sandbag, have it in a vise, you know, however you want to go about it, but you can make that thing stable and lock it right on your spot and then pull that trigger with no movement. Right, and so I mean, if, you, if you you could
0: you could put you could do that something and the cool thing I mean, it's not uh, you can put that in like a sled and I mean yeah that, you know, that, that's that, what I normally was, I, normally if 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 you've got a buddy that's a rifle shooter one of them will have a some type of bench sled that you can, yeah you can try and use on that
1: my my brain was not thinking of the term when I was yeah rattling stuff you. off there I'm like <laughs> that thing
0: <laughs> that thing
1: um but you know doing something like that now. You start walking that point weight up and, you know, say you're shooting 40, 50 yards, whatever you whatever your max range is. Right. So do a test run with your 100 or 125 grain points. Mm -hmm. Look at what your group size is from the sled and now start walking the point weight up. And yep, yep, you're going to start hitting lower. But look at the group sizes. If it starts expanding, you know that you went too far. Now, yeah. like with the factory bolt, I really have not seen any real issues going to like a 200 grain head. Um, when you start looking at bolts with heavier than factory components now, so like if you've got a 200 grain component and then you put a 200 grain head in there, you got a high performance bow that might start being on that edge right you want to go to a 300 grain head verify it you know no different than what we do with the compounds you want to verify when you start playing with stuff like that right but in reality you're looking at you're following the same principles the same rules as everyone else yeah the the arrow The bolt does not care what is throwing it. It needs to be thrown square. It needs to recover. And then the better that it can utilize its force and the more mass you have, the better off you are.
0: Makes sense. And we can, I mean, we can, we should have been able to come to that conclusion. I mean, and maybe we did, I guess, technically, but we should have been able to come to that conclusion 20 years ago when doc was doing it in his testing. And we got yeah. the same, the same results, uh, you know, from a 40 pound longbow and a 80 pound longbow and a crossbow and a compound. And it, like, it was, yeah. it was the same well, thing. It was, yeah.
1: it, it's realistically like talking about the the reports, the, the confusion from the crossbow community is the same confusion that we see in the compound community
0: yeah absolutely going
1: well i mean that was all done with with traditional gear well i mean yeah uh, the majority of it was done with traditional gear but compounds were used i mean and we're not even just talking you know the original compounds we're talking you know 10 years ago compounds were still in the last report um crossbows were used through you know through the early 2000s and they weren't the the primary source of data because if the broadhead breached the other side it's not a usable data point
0: yeah yeah
1: and so that's where like if you really dive into the reports you'll notice that as things improved as he fine-tuned his factors and you know so as he went through it's like okay so now pretty much every arrow in his test kit has 19 percent or better foc it has good durability now we're playing with different weights right and you know as things were shifted as we went, okay, high weight and then improving FOC and then, okay, all high FOC and now we're improving mass. It got to a point where in order to have usable data where the broadhead did not exit the animal. He had to go to lower and lower energy setups.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Right. And that's that's proving the point that it works. But people yeah. oh, seem to, to miss that because they, they misunderstand that the reason he did that was because he needed usable data and you can't measure something that exits.
0: Right. Right. Ugh. Well, maybe people will get it eventually.
1: Yeah. It's, I think maybe. that, I mean, we are 100% moving in the right direction. Yeah, and more and more people are catching on and and starting to talk about this stuff. And I mean, the fact that we've got crossbow guys that like like we talked about, have all of this energy and, and have shops saying, oh, yeah, you're just going to blow through whatever you shoot at. Like this thing's got more speed than than anything in history. Yeah. Yeah. Like
0: here's this here's this three inch mechanical for it so it'll right be like crazy yeah yep.
1: and so yeah. when that market is now starting to talk about it and starting to reach out to the ABF and going hey how do I improve my system like we're 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 making steps yeah it, oh, it's for sure. it's getting
0: there yeah. Well, speaking of people and I guess the internet in general, I just got a Facebook group ad for, uh, Scorpix, uh, crossbow owners. So they're listening. I mean, we've literally, (laughs) I've, I've literally (laughs) never, never looked them up, never uttered their name at all until, 20 minutes ago. And now, uh, now I'm already getting Facebook ads to try and join one of their groups. So on that note, go. I'm signing off the, I'm signing off the internet for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, any, anything else you think we, we should add?
1: No, I, I think that, uh, we roughed out things fairly well here. Um, yeah,
0: we, we've and- been to we, your, I, I know you, you brought me in on that, uh, that one email chain, uh, but we've got a a guy that seems to be very knowledgeable on the, on the crossbow front that I think we would be a a good guest. Hopefully we can get him
1: on. And that's, I think that this was a good kind of introduction to it. And uh, if we can potentially coordinate some time with that gentleman, um, then, you know, he can talk more specifically about his experiences As he made this transition and then started trying to educate people on this exact subject, Um, Mm -hmm. because while while I've set up a lot of crossbows, I've assisted a lot of people with figuring out builds for crossbows. I don't use crossbows. Right. That's I'm I'm going the other way. I'm I'm diving deeper and deeper into traditional. So. Right.
0: But I, th- I think <laughs> even if even if you don't really shoot a crossbow, I think it, it like almost everyone knows somebody that does, whether yep. it be a friend or a grandpa and or, a, you know, an uncle who had a surgery or you know, something like that. Like and, and this is this is valuable information having box
1: because it's then when you do have that friend or that coworker or family member that, you know, is baffled that their brand new two thousand dollar crossbow didn't get a pass through. Yeah. You have something in, in your toolbox to go, hey, like, have you considered, you know, looking at something like this or changing mm-hmm. this, you know, whatever small change you want to recommend, right? Yeah, and absolutely. get them looking down that that path.
0: Yeah. Yep. I'm uh I'm excited to continue this because crossbows is something that I I just don't have a ton of experience with I don't know a ton about it and I feel like there's I, I know there's guys out there that know know a lot about it and man you would talk about some crazy technology crossbows oh, man, yeah that's that's uh that's something so maybe maybe we'll try and get some some uh, cool crossbow manufacturers on to just to explain the tech that'd be that'd be interesting
1: yeah but yeah anyway that's cool it's a uh... It's a fun topic. It's something yeah. outside of outside of what everyone's really talking about. You know, no yeah. one yeah. no one is speaking specifically about them and so they feel kind of left out of all this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think it'll be a good good tool in the toolbox, regardless of how how involved you are with it. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this is it's it's not that much different. So I mean, if you have a, a pretty basic understanding of of how you know, how we like to build arrows in general, not a ton, not, not a ton changes here. You know, you're, you're a little, little more limited on component selection and stuff like that, but uh yeah, there's, there's, uh there's ways for sure. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, thanks everyone for listening. A little bit shorter episode today, but we'll uh uh hopefully we'll get back on track after, after this one, uh, but Rob probably start hunting though. So maybe yep. Rob will dip out and then, uh, and then me and Garrett can, record an episode or two after he's killed a bull and we'll uh we'll get back at it so thanks everyone for listening Perfect. until next time disrupt the task quo